I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the Room 104 Podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. FM 104. It's Cormac and Saoirse here on Room 104. Hope you're well. As 2020 draws to a close, one of the one of the words that's just become second nature to everyone now, I think, is uh, Zoom, Zoom meetings. Yeah, they are just painful. And do you know what? It's not even kind of idea of talking to somebody or having a, a meeting because if we were in work, we'd be doing that anyway. But there's something about, you know, sitting there, staring at a screen, talking over each other that just makes my mind melt. <laughs> to be honest with you, you know, if, if you're listening, you're doing Zoom meetings on a regular basis, uh, you probably understand, you probably feel a little bit drained or tired after them. But, you know, if you're doing them maybe once a week with family and friends, it's not too bad. But I know some places and friends of mine who are working in different jobs, and you might be the same, are doing two, three, four Zoom meetings a day. And as you said, I think one-on-one Zoom meetings and video calls are, are kind of fine. But when there's like three, four, five, six, seven, eight people in a, in a quote-unquote meeting, it's just, just something, you just feel like smashing your head against the table for a while and you just can't do anything about it. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think they're kind of not even drawing to a close anytime soon. People seem to be upping their Zoom meetings for some reason and work um you know, they don't want to be doing that, but that just seems to be the way that managers can keep in touch with them. Uh, 100%. But listen, good news. If you're sick and tired of the constant barrage of Zoom meetings that you have to do, turns out that Zoom meetings may not be a very effective way to do things. Maybe they're actually exhausting you. And another, a new study has come out showing that there is a thing called Zoom fatigue. And fingers crossed you'll be able to bring this into your boss now tomorrow and just kind of say, guys, we should be cutting back on this because the science is in. This isn't very good at all. A new study that's come out of the London South Bank University has shone a light on this thing called Zoom fatigue, which maybe should be your new phrase for the next couple of weeks. Joining us now on the line to talk a little bit more about what exactly it is, how it happens, maybe what you should do to get over this uh, Zoom fatigue is Professor of Organisational Behaviour at the LSBU, uh, their business school. Professor Karen Moser, how are you? I'm good, thank you. And I'm really happy that this is on a phone and not on Zoom, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Karen, shed a bit of light because obviously when lockdown happened, happened nobody knew what zoom was it was all this kind of new video technology and now suddenly it's the bane of everyone's life yeah you're absolutely right i mean it was like one you know huge online experiment and we just had to move into this and people were thrown into it without any preparation or previous experience and so forth Uh, so it has really been a huge change and uh, people needed to stop 
working with software like Zoom uh, they have never used before. Um, so the research we did um, on this together with colleagues uh, in Germany actually and at Aston Business School as well in the UK was during the first lockdown in the UK uh, and we um, did diary studies about the daily use of different digital media and how remote working for uh, full-time employees in the UK and with a special eye to uh, recovery time, uh, impacts on well-being and productivity. And what we do find is that overall, generally, it's more tiring and it requires more recovery time than on-site work for various reasons. But we also compared all the different media that you can use. So, you know, emailing, texting, various other text-based chat media, uh, the good old-fashioned phone call or uh, video conferencing, of which Zoom is one. It turns out clearly, and this is regardless of your abilities or of your age or of your motivation, uh, Zoom meetings or generally video conferencing is more tiring and requires more recovery time afterwards to actually pop back and again, you know, be well and, and productive the following day. We can explain this because it has very different requirements on, on how we interact with people if we do this uh, in video conferencing because it, you know, at first sight, it seems like it might enhance interactions because you mm. have a picture and you can see people as, you know, opposed to writing and so forth. But there's several issues with this. And it's exactly as you mentioned in the intro. It's not so much a problem if you have one-on-ones. It's just two people because then you can actually properly focus on that person, although it's still a two-dimensional image that you receive, receive even if it's a and what happens is that, you know, reading facial expressions, nonverbal signals, which is something that is so useful for us, and we do, and we do it, you know, unconsciously all the time yeah. in, in real meetings, is almost impossible in the same way online. So we actually still have, you know, reduced social cues. We cannot catch somebody's eye. Video conference, it's impossible. That, that's, yeah, also, 100%. If, that's what I've noticed kind of as well. The problem is when you're looking at a flat screen of nine other people and there's, the, there, there's that half second delay with the audio as well. So when you kind of finish up, your natural inclination might be to, to move on. But then someone has said something and then it's just this awkward tense back and forth. Where it's like, oh, no, this is horrible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you, you obviously also have you know, technical issues, transmission, so the quality of audio and video that you get, but also you only see those talking heads, so you never have the full body language. And let's say you're in a meeting of eight, ten people, quite common in team meetings at work. Usually in a real face-to-face meeting, you get the sense of whether people are actually with you. They catch your eye, they nod, or, you know, they're totally distracted and disinterested. It's impossible to get that. But we are cued into this. We need this social feedback uh, in our interactions. So we try to, you know, second guess what is happening, which is absolutely tiring. On top of that, we have, uh, and it doesn't really give us the results we would need. On top of that, we have the Zoom etiquette of in large meetings, people going off camera, which, you know, in terms of saving on broadband and transmission quality makes sense, but it's totally unnatural. It could never happen in a face-to-face meeting. And it makes it even more difficult to know who are you talking to? You know, what, what's happening with what you're saying? How is it received? And so forth. And this requires additional energy, but it's also, you know, it's not helping. It's actually just an additional burden. Uh, so that makes us 
very tired, then there's also something very, you know, clunky about uh, the video conferencing. You need to yeah. raise your electronic hand because you cannot do this non-verbally. Otherwise, we do this by giving body signals that we would like to speak, for instance. You just know this. And the last thing I could mention is that the way the current software packages are set up, and I hope this changes following research like ours and other. You also see yourself on camera when you talk. Again, this is totally unnatural. We don't see ourselves in face-to-face -face meetings, speaking all the time. And this increase is something that is called self-monitoring. You become more self-conscious. You, oh, yeah. you know, spend time thinking about how you appear, whether you're saying the right thing. It actually increases the control you try to exert over yourself. And again, this this takes additional attention and energy away. So there's very, you know, uh, very clear reasons why it is just by way of the technology, how it works, uh, why we get more tired. And did the study show then that it maybe isn't as effective for, you know, communicating as we once thought? It depends. I think uh, uh, what is really important in our study shows that as well is that you use the right digital media for the right task so it always depends on what you want to do and the, the goals you want to achieve and you really should restrict video conferencing meetings a to smaller groups so this is an absolutely crucial point because of what I already said so you know the, the huge meetings they're absolutely horrible so try <laughs> to break it up into subgroups who can meet smaller teams, but also only use it when you actually need to make decisions, bring people together to interact because you need the different experiences, viewpoints, expertise of different workers, employees and so forth to bring this, you know, integrate it. If there is no interaction needed, no joint decision making needed, it's actually wrong to use it, then you should rather provide the information everybody needs in a different form, in a written form, and then maybe have individual follow-up meetings, small group meetings for clarifications if this should be needed. And so one of the problems is that, you know, it's sort of, we are doing management after the fact. It's the technology that's there. There's not that much knowledge still around. And even before the pandemic, because I've been doing research in this area for a decade now or so, and supporting organizations in virtual management and managing, you know, work virtually. Uh, so this has always been an issue. Usually people just start thinking about it if it becomes a problem. But there's not enough yet conscious decision making of what I call media adequate use of digital mm. tools. You know, the overall rule is uh, that you if you if you have routine tasks where you need to disseminate information, assign tasks, but actually you don't need decisions, you don't need integration of perspective. You use text based media or you use intranet solutions, repositories and so forth. But if you need, you know, interdisciplinary teams, management teams, top level decision making or the social aspect, you know, chatting, getting to know each other, where interaction is, is key is one of the goals, then yes, do video conferencing if you can't do face-to-face. -face. That's um, <clears throat> obviously really interesting for people who are working. And I think if you're working in an office environment where you're still remote, I think that makes a hell of a lot of sense. And I'm sure there's going to have massive impacts on people in 
university and schools as well because it was just straight to a uh, Zoom classes all of a sudden without any thinking and, and I know a few friends of mine are teachers and they just said it was absolutely hell and they just wanted to go back into the classroom because trying to manage I imagine uh, teenagers hormonal uh, out of control teenagers via Zoom would just be absolutely impossible It's a big strain and I think you know uh, essentially the same rules apply for teaching how you disseminate information because a lot of it is things that um, ideally you should shouldn't present online. It should be the reflection, it should be the tutoring, it should be the feedback and so on that should be interactive, where you can ask back, where you can, you know, get the sense of where students stand. And then actually for the information sharing and dissemination and the lecturing, um, you don't need interactive meetings. You can actually do pre-recorded lectures and much better to set tasks and let students work through in their own time, which isn't easy either. But rather than have them in those big Zoom classes or, or whatever software you're using. And was there anything else that you found while you were studying this, like on age or gender? Yeah, actually, we had no differences we found regarding age or gender. Uh, a lot of people ask this. It's an important question. We find that younger people, just like older people, can really take to the digital world or not. It's not really so much an age issue. But we did find differences depending on whether you already have previous experience with remote working, then it was less tiring and easier how high your digital literacy was, that is, you know, measuring uh, how well you're acquainted with using different digital tools and media and software. Obviously, that helps, so there's an effect there. And also whether you, you know, how well set up at home in terms of equipment, did you have good, you know, a good screen, a good computer set up, do you have dedicated home working space that also helps you detach because you ideally have a, you know, a separate room to, to work from or at least a proper desk and so on. So all of that helped. Uh, So one final piece of advice then, if you could give one thing to maybe um, people or organisations or, you know, even universities that are just maybe overdoing it on the video calls and the Zoom calls, what would be your, your one piece of advice now going forward? with the Zoom calls and the remote working? Yep, you can do a couple of very simple things. Uh, ideally, agree with your supervisor and boss that I think uh, you, you can do yourself. One is taking regular and a bit more breaks to, to compensate the, the, higher, you know, uh, the higher demands and the higher cognitive depletion of remote working and, and digital um, tools. So I recommend 15 minutes every two hours. Uh, it seems possibly a lot, but it will, you know, replenish you and you will stay more productive. Also, try to simulate a digital commute at the start and end of your day, like, you know, a walk around the block, just 10 minutes at the start and the end of your day for 10, 15 minutes. It'll do wonders for your mental health. Okay, great advice there. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks for your interest in um, our research. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.